Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, are we ready? Yeah. Okay. In three, two, two, one. one. Oh, you're supposed to say the one silent, huh? No, you're supposed to do the two one silent. That was like a that was like a joke from a from a what was it called? Uh, <laughs> Bill and Ted, not Bill and Ted. What's it called? Uh, Wayne and Garth. Uh, yeah, Wayne's yeah. World. Yeah. We're keeping this intro. This is amazing. This is so good. Hey, everybody! <laughs> welcome to the Savior Game Podcast. This is episode five. We've done five of these bad boys, Zeke, and yeah. uh, it's February. It's Groundhog Day. Happy Grand Groundhog Day. Um, it's, it's happy, happy calling to work sick because you got hung over during the Super Bowl day. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Nathan Story. Uh, I am here with my good friend Zeke Leonard. Zeke, say hi. What's up? And we are here to talk about faith and nerdy things. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Uh, we hope you're enjoying the show so far. We love making it. We love that you, you like. You just said so far. So far. Oh, that's that's foreshadowing. It is foreshadowing <laughs> of the amazing episode that we have ahead, which isn't planned at all and is going to be winging it and awesome. Zeke, how was your weekend, buddy? How was your weekend? <laughs> my weekend. Well, my my week was uh my week last week was really weird. Uh, I went into work on Monday morning and it felt like Thursday, and I was like, "Wow, this is going to be an interesting week." <laughs> 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 you were, so wait, what do you mean it felt like, felt like there's like your tired you level? Ever, like it was no, like end of the week feeling? You're like, I'm ready no, for the weekend? Okay. Well, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but I just get these like, I have this metaphysical, <laughs> I can't even say it. I have this metaphysical awareness of like what Ooh. day it is. Ooh. And sometimes like it just, it's off, you know, like, yeah. you know, people, people always say that Mondays feel like Mondays and they're like, oh, Monday. Yeah. And then it's like hump day. Well, hump day, it's Wednesday, you know, but halfway like, there. S- <laughs> <laughs> but for some reason, <laughs> like sometimes my like internal, uh, calendar gets off and like there are some days where i feel you know it just it just like it'll be a thursday i'll wake up thursday morning and i'll be like oh i'm so glad it's friday it feels like friday and then i'm like yeah. oh crap it's thursday yeah you know i, and I think yeah, yeah. everybody kind of has those but yeah I, mine gets a little more uh extreme than that where <laughs> i think i'll wake up and think oh man glad it's wednesday and it's actually like friday or something like that so dude i know exactly what you're talking about it that's so funny that I cannot talk today. Hey guys. Hey, let's be real. (laughs) I'm gonna be real for a second here. I'm gonna be real. Be real, son. Sometimes I just start talking and I don't really know what I'm gonna say. But (laughs) I'm gonna get better because I'm hosting a podcast now and I should probably get better at doing that. Um, That's true. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, I have an interesting schedule in that I have two 12 to 13 hour days every week and mm. then some seven and eight hour days in between. And then I have Fridays and Saturdays off. So like today, um, and Tuesday, like tomorrow's Tuesday. So those two days, Tuesday. yes, Tuesday, those days I, I rarely have stuff in the evenings. And so I feel so good at work because my Sunday is a 12 hour day. Wednesday is a 12 hour day. And so like just the way Monday and Tuesday feel, I feel like I can sit at the office for a really long time, knowing that I just have an evening at home recording a podcast for you guys or, you know, just hanging out with my wife, playing video games, you to- watching movies. You totally get, like, office space hypnotized and you're I- just, like, sitting in your cubicle just smiling. Yep. 
I do. I was in such a good mood today. I was like, man, it's Monday. That means nothing going on in the evening. Because I struggle. I struggle with knowing, uh, with just the type of work that you do with ministry. It's difficult because it's such a such an odd schedule. You know, it's so different every week, and which can be good some weeks, and, and sometimes it gets frustrating, right? But um, for for people that like change, like I do, it, it actually can be really cool. But um, sometimes it can just be so frustrating knowing you have to go home and then go back out and, and, you know, do it and lead something just because with any volunteer organization, um, you just have people that have nine to fives. And so you have to do your work, uh, in the evenings sometimes. So it's some of the unique challenges, but it also makes it, you know, cool because it's different, but it's one of the unique challenges of, of a volunteer organization like ministry, I think. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. 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 But this weekend, um, well, I'm, I'm sure people who, uh, listen to our podcast, it, uh, if there will be any, I'm sure right. there will be some, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're just kind of like going to kind of dump out these first like five or six episodes because, um, we started recording back in October 27th yeah. of last year and, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, we've just now gotten around to, well, I wouldn't say good and gotten around to, but there's just been a lot of things that have needed to take place, um, Doing a podcast is a lot more work than I thought it would be. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, it is. I'm, at least to I'm, do it well. At least to do it yes. at the level we want to do it, which is we're striving. We're striving for. Uh, I don't want to say excellence, but we're striving for good excellence. Right. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what a great word. Okay, second second T-shirt. And if you haven't listened to episode two, you don't know about the first T-shirt. First T-shirt is going to be be nice to gay people, and <laughs> the second save your game T-shirt is going to say. Good silence on the back. Good silence. <laughs> Podcasting with good silence. Yes. <laughs> good not, how about good not great silence? <laughs> exactly. You know, because we want this to be good. Absolutely. We want this to, to sound good and everything. And so we're trying to put a lot of work into it. And, you know, we're all working full-time jobs. Some of us have, like, wives and kids. And, wives. And, uh some of us are, you know, trying to further our career in other places. And so it's, it's, um, it's been hard to like find the time and the resources to do all this stuff. And so, you know, I feel like we're, we're getting there. And yeah, I think, yeah. I really feel like this weekend, you know, I, I put a lot of work into doing the podcast stuff and, and I, I'm, I'm, uh, what's the word? I'm, <laughs> you too. It's contagious. <laughs> It's well, I, I know it, I'm in that mode where I'm like, know what I want to say, but I'm having a hard time getting it out right, from right, my right. mind to my mouth, from my mind to my mouth, from my mind to my mouth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was totally um, Tom Hanks in the terminal. The by tweet, by tweet, by tweet, by tweet, by tweet. You remember that? Have you seen that movie? <laughs> I, have, he's, I have. He's asking out Catherine Zeta-Jones, and he always says, "Do you want to go get eat to bite?" And, uh, about to eat. and so he's trying to say by to eat. So he just looks in the mirror and he's like, about to eat, about to eat, about to eat, about to eat. <laughs> We're never going to get anywhere. We just keep, we keep interrupting each other. This is a great That's episode. That's true. That's so true. That's true. This is awesome. But man, yeah. speaking of the terminal, that was like one of the best, most depressing movies ever. <laughs> <laughs> Cause it's so good, but it's so depressing when you sit back and think about what that movie's actually about. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I feel like, I feel like with the ending, so spoilers from a movie over a decade old. Um, I feel like they kind of added the whole jazz thing in maybe at the end because it's like, well, he's not going to get the girl, so we have to let him have some sort of reconciliation for coming yeah, all the way to yeah. New York. But maybe not. Spielberg's a genius, so maybe he had it playing the whole time. 
Old Spielberg. Yeah, but dude, you put you you burned the midnight oil this weekend. You put in a lot of good work towards making this thing available, and you know which is well. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I wasn't trying to like pat my own back or anything, but I was just saying that I I want to put the work in to make it be good slints and right. right, right, and I and so that's been a lot of, and I really feel like um something broke to use the Christianese. I really feel like something broke this weekend, Ooh. and uh. In, in the ether and, 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 and the balls really, the really got rolling this weekend. Speaking of that. Okay. My sister, uh, <laughs> Zeke way. She, um, <laughs> I haven't told Nathan really anything about this. I just kind of prefaced it for him, but here it comes. Um, I'm ready. <laughs> my sister moved to Alaska to work for Samaritan's Purse, which is a disaster relief organization, which was started by Franklin Graham. Holy smokes, I'm rattling this off as if I'm reading it off of a piece of paper. You're doing well. Uh, Keep going. And F- Franklin Graham is uh, Billy Graham's son. Yeah. And this um, organization does uh, disaster relief. And they also do this awesome thing up in Canada where they do – they have like a getaway cabin for like wounded warriors and stuff like that. Oh, um, wow. They just do really awesome stuff. And – my sister has been wanting to get a job with this organization for a long time, and the only opening they had for her was in Alaska. So and, she moved to Alaska. And God bless uh, her for doing it. My goodness. <laughs> but my sister, um, in searching for a good church, uh, we, we grew up pretty charismatic, um, spirit-filled, Pentecostal, um, and we still believe – well, I don't want to get into that, but uh, we, we – um, she – was looking for a church up there. Yeah. I'm having a hard time trying to find how to say this. That's right. And she That's found right. the, the church that she found that she really liked. And what's important to my sister a lot is not so much the content of the church, but the people who you go to church with. Okay. And so she found a church that, uh, with, you know, people that she thought were really awesome that really reached out and accepted her. And she, um, so, but that church is a Baptist church. Mm. Mm. <laughs> but so she was looking for a church that had really, you know, like charismatic worship. And so she heard that there was a church in town that had charismatic worship. And uh they were having a night of worship, which they called the Blow the Trumpet in Zion Conference. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> I'm surprised said it wasn't called the Blow the Shofar Conference. Well, that's what I said. I yeah. said, was there a shofar there? And she was like, there was not a shofar there. There were two. <laughs> one on each end of the church. Yes, there were. Oh. She said that they got to a certain point in the night where everyone stopped. And I think she said that the pastor announced that the trumpet player was going to release a sound in the spirit. Mm. <laughs> okay. And I guess he played a note. I don't know what he did. Yeah. And then she uh, said that um, on either end of the stage, there's a bucket that is affixed to the stage permanently where they have flags and streamers and stuff like that. So okay. it's one of those types of churches. Right. Um, and she said that a lady got up in her full glittery garb. She had a whole, you know, I don't want to say costume, but, you know, outfit made up for yeah. – you, you've seen those. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you yeah. know, there was, a, there was a vineyard church here in town, and there were a lot of uh, people who went to that church back in the day who you would dress up in these – glittery sequiny you it know, was like cost- a it was like a like a big old poncho almost like or like a yeah. smock it was like it was a, like it was a reverse it was like a vest. tunic but with pants yeah. <laughs> uh, it was like a onesie i don't know yeah. how to explain it it's, but she said that a lady got up and 
uh, just started doing a rain dance huh. in the spirit to call down the, the rain of the Holy Spirit. Okay. And <laughs> okay. I was dying laughing when she was telling me this because <laughs> like it just, it's so, it hits so close to home because we yeah. went to a, a Bible college, um, in Dallas and, uh, I love my Bible college. I loved every bit of it, but there were, one of the things that I, I loved and hated about my Bible college was that, um, people went there to either, people were either sent there by their parents or by other people to get fixed, yeah. or they went there to fix themselves, hmm. which was amazing that my school actually helped a lot of people. Yeah. Quote unquote, fix themselves, if you, if I can use that term. Sure. But it just sucked going to, going to school with a whole bunch of people that were so messed up while they yeah. were trying to get themselves fixed. <laughs> it so, was like, it was but, like almost like a, a spiritual rehab center. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, but I loved it. I loved it. And, yeah, but my cool. church was full of all sorts of people who just did wacky things during worship and, it just made it made me think, you know, me and my sister, we used to like crack up at the things that people do, yeah. and and a lot of people, I, I remember several people used to get angry at us, and they would think that we were making fun of, yeah, you yeah. know, what they were doing, and and in a way, we were we were making fun of what they were doing. Um, this is this is kind of get gonna get a little, I don't know, maybe edgy or serious to people who are into this kind of thing, right? But we um. We were, what we were doing is like, you know, I mean, I believe that when people feel the presence of God or they feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, they react in certain ways. Sure. And people in the charismatic movement have learned to just be a lot more, I want to say, I don't want to use the word free, but they've learned to be a lot more... Expressive, um, maybe? Expressive, yeah. Okay. And so, I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, because... The, when someone feels the the presence of God or something, and you know they decide to uh, start clapping or something like that, you yeah. know that's I, I I don't believe that that's God taking control of them and making them clap. That's them choosing to clap as a result of what they feel. Sure. And so, um, I think that like you know, and I I think that I love I love that about the charismatic movement from like the nineties. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah. and I love that, you know, people were able to just express themselves without being judged and stuff like that. Right. And, uh, you know, but I mean, I, of course it, it got really weird there in the late nineties, early two thousands when people started like acting like animals and yeah. barking and, yeah. you know, it's just like, it's like, uh, people, I, I don't, you know, God is a God of order, yeah. you know, then all throughout the Bible that that's what, you can find is that God is a God of order. He yeah. likes things ordered. And so when you have just absolute chaos and worship, I don't believe that that's God, you mm. know, and maybe that's a strong statement, but I, I well, honestly no, don't believe that that's, that's something that is orchestrated by God. I think sure. that's people just letting themselves feeling God's presence, like just get out of control, which yeah. is not godly. You know, that's, that's their flesh. Interesting. And so, okay. um, you know, like, and so, when people, people would get angry at me and my sister or people or our group of friends that we went to Bible college with for making fun of these people. And it was just that, you know, like in a way, like I thought, well, they kind of deserve to be made fun of because it's just so ridiculous. Yeah. And, yeah. and in a way, like I feel like Christians should just lighten up about it, you I know, do. because there's, there's I, so much, 
like Christians need to be made fun of because yeah. we do like ridiculous stuff. <laughs> and if we I'm just so learn to embrace it, that. I'm so glad you if said we just, that. If we just learn to embrace it, like we would just, I think we'd be like a happier people and like just. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, when you, when I was totally going to say that, man, when you wrapped up that awesome, awesome story. Um, and that, I mean, so here's the thing. Here's the thing with church. And if you have never been to church, um, there's something you need to know about church and that like no church looks similar to the next church down the street. Like there are yeah. so many different brands of, of, uh, of church. I mean, I say brands because churches have to do a great deal of marketing to, to get out the message of who they are or what their particular denomination or even church looks like. Um, and so there's a lot of, there's these phrases that we use in, in kind of, uh, ministry circles. And I really, I really like talking about them. I think they're interesting. And that's, that's, uh, essentials and non-essentials. Um, yeah. and the way that my pastor describes it, I think he describes it really well. Um, when it comes to denominations and it comes to different types of churches, what for the most part, you hope at least you're dealing with is different flavors of jelly. Like there's a lot of different kinds of jelly, but some churches are grape and some are orange marmalade. Like there's just certain things that are non-essential that are just different. And, and really what it comes down to, to be perfectly honest, and, and some people might get frustrated for me saying this, but like it's really just personal preference. Uh, yeah. And so I totally agree with the fact that Christians need to lighten up about their personal preferences because that's what denominations are. <laughs> Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, and honestly, that's what they exist for. You know, exactly, if you don't, yeah. if you don't like how someone else down the road is worshiping, guess what? There's a church for you. Yeah. There's a denomination yeah. for you. You know, there's one that exists. And on the other hand, I will also say, uh, one, my pastor always used to say that, um, you know, if you ever find a perfect church, don't go there because you'll mess it up. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Which man. is, I love that. Which is to say, you know, like, you'll never find the perfect church, the church that perfectly fits you, but, you know, there is a church that will, you can fit in and you can, and you can, uh, exist and learn to worship with other people that think like you. And that's, that's a good thing because we all serve the same God and right. we all, you know, have the same credence and we all have the same beliefs, which come from the same book, yeah. which has been established for you know, yeah. thousands of years. Well, the Bible says it's been established for all of eternity in heaven, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. And, and just to keep talking about, you know, the whole making fun of thing, I think you and I have a great sense of humor about our faith and, and we, oh, definitely. we take it really, really seriously, but at the same time we can joke about stuff. And, and I would just echo what you said and that it's not at all making fun of necessarily a person for their beliefs, because I think you and I would both readily and quickly say to someone who worshipped in that way that if they were getting closer to the Lord or they were getting something out of the worshipping that way, if they truly felt like that was the best way to express their faith, we would rejoice in that and and celebrate yeah. that with them. But absolutely, for, and for us, you know, it we... doesn't quite make uh, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily work for us, or it's not necessarily again our personal preference, and so it's just kind of funny, like it's just odd. And so we would hope that that person would say the same thing about us and be able to joke about what needs to be joked about, have a serious discussion about what needs to be discussed, and then also have a sense of humor because it's there's differences, you know, and, and not yeah. take those too seriously. So yeah, and and you know, like I mean, there are <laughs> if you, if if the church didn't need 
like making fun of, then people like Tim Hawkins would never exist. Or, right. Yeah. yeah or, I love that. That's or, great, uh, that's did point. you ever, have you ever heard of Mike Warnke? Yeah, I have heard of Mike Warnke. He was an old Christian comedian from back in the day. And, uh, you know, he, <laughs> he was hilarious. He had, he had a bunch of bits about like, you know, uh, charismatic people he said one time he was doing a show on and uh he fell off the stage and jammed his knee and his knee swole up like really big and he said that the pastor got in his mind i'm gonna pray for this man and he's gonna get healed and so he came over and he said that the pastor was one of the people like to pray with authority and so he said he put his hand on his knee and said in the name of jesus and he said he pushed on it really hard and he (laughs) said the guy he said that he he yelled out he went oh and he said that the pastor's (laughs) wife was there and she was like that's right brother shout the praises of god and he was like, that is not the praise of God. <laughs> he was like, that's a sound of pain. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> oh my goodness. Dude, I Mike Warnke was hilarious. Oh. <laughs> I'm trying to think of, I think my parents had an old record of his. I'm trying to think of where I heard of him from. But yeah, I, I believe it. it. That's a great point about the comedians, man. Like, we just need to poke fun of ourselves and just lighten up at the end. So Absolutely. Funny. I love, you know, like, uh, it, go ahead. I was going to say, it's something that the world has learned to do. Um, like, why in the world are shows like Saturday Night Live so successful? Mm. And that Saturday Night Live can brutally make fun of somebody. And then that person comes on the show two weeks later and, like, joins in the sketch I with know. them. Because, oh, awesome. you know, it's it's all part of the joke. It's all part of, like, making people laugh and making people feel good. And, you know, like uh, like Gloria Osteen said, it's all about feeling good. Yeah. I don't know if she actually said that. <laughs> Wait, Gloria, that's, uh, that's old Skippy's mom, right? That's Joel's mom? Uh, that's his wife. Wife. I, think. I thought it was, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, we, we could talk about old smi- <laughs> Smiley for, for I anything. call him, I call him, I call him Guy Smiley. Guy <laughs> Oh, like that, from the Sesame, Sesame Street. Street? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Guy Smiley was my favorite growing up, and I have no idea why. Like, it made no sense. Like, his sketches weren't even that funny. And but he was like, like the straight character. On, he was yeah. like the not, not funny guy. Yeah. He was my favorite, though, as a kid, and I had no <laughs> idea why. And he and he almost never came on. Like, But when he did, I flipped out as a little kid. I was like, it's Guy Smiley! Yeah. <laughs> one of, man, one of my favorite Tim Hawkins bits is when he's... uh. He he's so he, he reminds me a little bit of like a Christian Robin Williams. Like I th- yeah, he's probably has ADHD. He's just rapid fire. He just goes, you know, kind of just really intense, and then like that's his whole hour. Like he doesn't slow yeah. down. He just goes from joke to joke to joke to joke. And uh, there's this, I mean, really quick segment on this old Bananas DVD I have, which was this Christian uh, stand up. I think it was a comedy club in Columbus, Ohio, or Cincinnati, Ohio. Why, yeah. Why there are so many sea towns in Ohio? I don't know. It was one of those. Cincinnati. Yeah. You know. But uh, but he got up there and he was talking about um, how uncomfortable he got at this one church he went and did stand up at. Uh, and he said we just he said we say the strangest things in our 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 subculture in the Christian culture we say the weirdest things. Yeah. That the, the outside like person no wonder they think we're crazy. He said he went to this really country church and he's like, "We're just so glad you're here. We just want Tim. We're just gonna, we just want to love on you." And he said, <laughs> "I don't know exactly what that is, but I do not want any love on me tonight." <laughs> and then, he, and then he says, "The best part is he says." And then this lady gets on stage, and, and if you go to church at all, you know exactly the kind of lady I'm talking about. But she said, "I just need to sing." 
because the Lord gave me this song. He gave it to me, you know, and just, (laughs) and, and then he goes, and then she sings the song. And then you're thinking, well, maybe you should give it back. <laughs> well, it's, oh, it's just, so good. It's the whole thing about it's so Christianese. Is, it's oh, just, yeah. you know, like, I, I love, like, I would love to, I wonder if there's even a, a scientist, a quote unquote scientist out there who could study the entomology of like, is that the right word? Entomology of, is the study of insects, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> What's the word I'm looking for? We study the root of where words come from. Oh, I, I can't. I know what you're talking anyways, about. I'm not anyways, sure. we'll, we'll use entomology for yeah, tonight. Okay. okay? Just, the, he, he, there's a don't Christian send us scientist. an email about it. We know we're using the wrong word. <laughs> if there's a scientist out there who studies the entomology of like words and <laughs> Christianese and where they came from, because, you know, honestly, it's, it's what I was talking about earlier and that someone experienced something from God. And they didn't know how to put it, so they just right. said it in a way that felt natural. Right. And then people just caught on, and that became that just started to represent what that feeling or that thing was. Yeah. You know, like uh, somebody was talking about, like the Gaithers wrote a song about "He touched me, oh, he touched me," and like people were like, "Why is God touching you? That's yeah. weird." Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, but like that. That's just something that Christians say all the time. And to us, it makes sense because, right. you know, like we understand that that means that, you know, like God really did something special for you and you feel like he did something awesome for you and you feel like he, you know, you know, like his glorious holy hand touched your life in some yeah. magnificent way. And like yeah. we don't really have it. Like when we say it, we know what it means. But like, we, look how long it took me to explain what he touched me means, you know, yeah. like, so it's, <laughs> it just, I understand where Christianese comes from. I just, you know, like I, I'm, I'm with this whole movement that thinks that we should use less of it when we're talking to uh, people who aren't in the church or who aren't Christians, because, yeah. you know, they have no idea what in the world we're talking about. You're talking yeah. about, I plead the blood of Jesus all over. People are like, what, why are you, uh, begging the blood of Jesus to be all over something? It doesn't make sense, you know? It's strange. It is strange. Yeah. Words, man. Yeah. What do you, do you, so, what have you been, uh, doing lately besides work, 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 work? Well, I mean, that's about it. Um, so, I'm trying to think. I, I, I've still been playing tons of Dragon Age, which is good. Mmm. It's so good. Still plowing through that bad boy. Um, need to go back to Shadow of Mordor, man. I'm, I'm like kind of craving going back to that. Still not burned out on Dragon Age, which is kind of crazy, but, uh, we had a good weekend. Had, didn't do a ton of gaming or, or movie watching or anything, but, uh, it was Laura's birthday, so we went and, uh, and Laura's your wife, right? Laura's my wife. I don't, I don't, yes. I don't know if you've ever said that. I'm not sure if you have either. My wife. My wife is named Laura. She is also, Fairly nerdy, but she's an old school gamer. We should get her on sometime and talk about Mario Kart. Our favorite, like, we old, should. old school memories or something. That'd be a fun show. Um, I love that story she told about going over to, uh, who <laughs> did she tell? Well, I, I shouldn't tell it, but she said something about, uh, you know, her and her friends going over to somebody's house and playing, like, Nintendo 64 in the closet or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah. So she, she went to a private school here in Charlotte where we live and, um, a lot of rich kids at it, and so like some of her friends would have just massive houses, and then they basically have a walk-in closet that her friend turned into like a game room or something, and they would just go and play Nintendo in the closet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but that, like, she she claims the only way, the only reason she made friends in college is because she had she brought the sixty-four with her. 
and this was like you know five six seven eight years after it came out so uh she's people just love old school gaming it's fun they do but it, was they her, love it. it was her birthday uh went to her family's and uh, uh had dinner and hung out and that's about it it was a good weekend relaxing time nice. at home hey, i uh it's so funny uh the older i get and and uh this sounds funny because i'm not even, i'm not even 30 <laughs> i was I was just telling somebody about, I realized that the, I think the last episode or the episode before that, I said, I, I realized how many, how many times I've said, you know, now that I'm older and when I was younger and I was like, I'm 32, like I shouldn't be talking like that already. But it's like, it's just, it's just the way that our, it's funny because it's like, that's the way our parents used to talk and are still to talk. And so it's like, we just, yeah. that's what we're expected to say as we feel a little bit older, even though we're not really. But, we're, uh, we're plus on top of that, we're Christian prudes, and you know yeah. we've we've already we're basically our our parents already. So absolutely, uh, absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I just like I was talking to uh, someone at work. Um, I think it was just yesterday where I was saying, uh, "Hey, what'd you do this weekend?" and and I said nothing, and it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was just great to have downtime. It's just with life being so busy and. We can only imagine what it's like uh, when we have when we're gonna have kids. I mean, we're not. Uh, we've only been married a few years, and so we're not in any hurry to do that. And so it's just like, uh, what, do we really need to add like two or three more people to this like busy, crazy schedule? And so we're just trying to get a handle on what it's like to to be a young married couple and be out in the world, kind of in our first big boy job, big boy and big girl jobs. And it's like, it's just so strange to think about adding more and more to that. People are funny. Yeah. We just take on so much, and uh, yeah, just take on so much. But we did uh, we did squeeze in a game of Ticket to Ride with the family. Ooh. That was cool. Played a five player game, which took a lot longer than a two player game. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'll tell you what that game it's a it's a lot like Monopoly. I found in the okay. fact that if people just do their turn, like as soon as it's their turn, that game goes by so quick because really all you're doing is picking up cards. And then replacing them, and yep. then it passes to the next person. Yeah. And so it it it's pretty much another. It's also a game where it doesn't require a lot of thought, and so it's one of those things where. Well, I guess we should explain the game. Yeah. Um, but Ticket to Ride is this game where uh, you are building railways across America, yeah. and the way that you do that is there are. Um, you will get tickets, is what they're called, and basically it's like a mission for you to build a rail line from. City X to City Y. Yeah. And so it might, you might get a ticket that says build us, build a rail from Montreal to Miami. And that's your, your goal. And you get three of these tickets in order to complete the game. And so as you, as the, the way the game goes is there are certain, in between certain cities, there are, uh, colored, what would you call them? I guess like spots. Yeah. So basically where yeah, you're, I mean, they're, they're rail, they're like, I mean the excavation where a railroad's going to go, basically. So yeah, and and they're re- they're symbolized by like a rail car, and there yeah. might in between each city, maybe you know, in between uh, uh, Seattle to uh, Portland is like one rail car, and in between like L.A. to Phoenix is like six rail cars. Yeah, and so they're symbolized by these rail cars, and you have to collect the correct color cards on your turn. Um, by picking them up and then you play them and you build the rails and whoever has the most points at the end of the game wins. And, but I feel like it's a game where you don't, uh, really, it doesn't take a lot of thought. And so you can really plan your next like two or three turns out if you're just 
sitting there paying attention. It's great. And then, it's great. Yeah. And, and, and it could go really quick, but you know, of course, board games are a social thing. And so you sit there and you talk and goof and then people are like, Oh, well, whose turn is it? Oh, oh, it's my turn. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I love. Um, so there's this show that, so Zeke and I and, and our, uh, our friends and our families have been into board games for a number of years now. And I love this kind of renaissance of board games that we're experiencing. Oh, yeah. It's just really, really cool. And uh, one of my favorite things to watch on YouTube is, uh, Tabletop, which is, Hosted by Will Wheaton, who's, you know, a, a king of nerds, basically. I mean, he was in Star Trek, <laughs> and he's one of the, maybe not king, he's one of the lords of nerddom right now. Because Lord he's just, of nerddom. It totally is. He's just, he's so funny, and he's just laid back, and he, it's, I, the, when, when, when I try to quick pitch that show, uh, I, I think if you explain it, it sounds incredibly boring. So what I say is it's celebrity poker for board games. Yeah. Uh, so you basically just, they have people from YouTube series or TV shows. Or... Uh, yeah, I was about to say only the celebrities are people you've probably never heard well, of. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're into hardcore nerd stuff. <laughs> yeah. Or, or especially YouTube, like nerd culture. Um, yeah. Uh, but it's so entertaining. It, like you would think it'd be so boring. Like you're sitting and watching people play a board game. It's like, nope, these people are comedians. They're writers. They're really clever and creative and they're hilarious. They make jokes and they make up character backstories and, and it's just, it's really entertaining. And so I go and, and I've actually played that show for people. They do a great job in the beginning of the episodes explaining the rules in a nutshell yeah. very quickly. So if, when I actually, for Ticket to Ride, when I, I taught it to my parents, I just, I pulled up that episode. It's like, Hey, watch this five minute video. And then we just started playing. Um, mm. so it's cool. It's, it's really cool to do. So I, I love that board games are, are making a comeback, but it, yeah, it's totally a social thing. So. It's just, it's a relaxing competitiveness. And like, I'm super competitive and like, I kind of hate that I get super into it. But, uh, at the same time, it can be really reaction, re, uh, sorry, relaxing. To reactive. Down. Reactive. <laughs> yeah. Um, don't take reactive if you're pre- pregnant or nursing. Uh, that sounds like a drug. <laughs> but it's great. Reactive it, it, is not meant for all people. Yeah. Please ask your doctor. <laughs> Side effects may include, and you just list 25 side effects. Oh my gosh. I was, uh, so, uh, about a month ago, I caught the flu. Um, yeah. and I don't think I've ever had the flu before. And everybody, you know, of course you tell people you've had the flu. And I was like, it's really not that bad. And they're like, are you sure you had the flu? And I was yeah. like, I don't know. I was throwing up and had a fever for three days. It sounds like the flu to me, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, I was looking at, when I was sick, I realized that there was a commercial on TV, you know, for, during Jeopardy or something. And, uh, it was for Tamiflu, which is this prescription for, you know, the flu. Yeah. And I, I looked at it and the, the side effects for the Tamiflu were just ridiculous, you know, like may cause migraines and all this other stuff. And I was like, that sounds horrible. <laughs> and it said, and the end result is that it reduces your flu by 1.3 days. Yeah. And I was like, I think Not I'll just sweat it. it. Not <laughs> I worth think I'll just it. sweat it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, my cousin and I used to make these, these, uh, videos where you pretended to be British and these army person, like people and just tried to make Silly, like, British jokes, because we were obsessed with British comedy, and we made this one where we wanted to, to, to basically put those characters in space, like, so we wanted to make it a sci-fi one, and so we were like, well, we need to make up ridiculous planet names, 
and every planet name that we used in that little 10-minute video was a uh, prescription drug that we had seen on TV. So, nice. So we were like, my God, they're, they're heading straight for planet Zoloft. They're going to destroy it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, um, uh, coordinates for Tanactin are right here in this holodeck. And like, <laughs> so back to Tanactin. <laughs> Yeah, it's so good. Where do they come up with these? I want that job, man. I want the job where you just come up with the drug names. Like, do they it's even, all marketing, man. It's it's a uh, you know, they they give you the scientific name of hypoflaxin panaptic, uh, you know, like uh, <laughs> something something something, and then some you know marketing person sits there and says, hmm, poor foft, you know, or something. I'm like, you're just like <laughs> I just <laughs> yeah. and so. <laughs> That's one of the jobs I, I think that I would have loved to have had is being a uh, marketing agent. I think that yeah. would be awesome to get into marketing where you just <laughs> – and maybe that, that idea was kind of uh, fostered by watching uh, Full House, you know, oh my episode gosh. where <laughs> yes. Uncle Joey and Uncle Uncle Jesse start their own, like, uh, you know, uh, ad agency or yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> My, so I, I've, I, my family was obsessed with that show. Actually, you know, TGIF in general, we just devoured that in Family Matters, you know, Urkel. Uh, we loved that Friday Night Block of stuff. Was that ABC? Do you remember what channel that was? I, I think it was AG, ABC had TGIF, yeah. Okay, okay. So I, I remember most episodes of Full House. Like, I, I, yeah. I've seen all of them probably ten times a piece. And, um, I just remember, do you remember the one where Uncle Jesse had writer's block when he was trying to do the, the Tire City commercial? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I just remember he got, like, you see him on his keyboard, and you don't see what he's singing about or singing to. And he just goes something like, you are my desire, and I'm singing to a tire. I'm singing to a tire! You know, I just got <laughs> <laughs> You just get so uh, frustrated. Oh, I remember that. I can see that scene right now. Like, I just, that's so vivid. It was great. Oh my gosh. That show, that show is still really funny, but yeah. also hard to watch because it's, it's like, bad. yeah, Sit- sitcoms <laughs> are bad. Part, like, they're just, the funny parts are funny, but the cheesy parts are just so bad now. Yeah. <laughs> and the music, I mean, the, the keyboard. Music oh, yeah, comes the, in the the, the, the Casio strings. <laughs> oh, oh, sweetie, it, you know it's not like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the child acting is always just the worst. Just the worst. Yeah, yeah. All right, in three, All right. two, ha 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 ha, Full House. <laughs> insert had, laugh track yeah sorry guys we had some uh some technical difficulties there but we're back uh zeke what what have you been into lately what are you playing what are you watching what's your nerd oh, obsession I've, this week well i've i haven't had a lot of time this week but i picked up uh pixel junk shooter 2 nice um, i've owned it for a while and i just haven't really ever gotten around to it um and I have to say, I really don't like it as much as I like the first one. Okay. Um, the first one just was so creative with the way that they steadily built and, like, added new things in. And by the time you got that, remember when you got to the end, you got that, like, magnet suit and stuff like that. And yeah, that was cool. <clears throat> you were really messing with that magnetic fluid and stuff. 
It was really, Steve. It was really cool. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Steve. <laughs> Sorry, talking like it. Talking like it. I can't do it. Talking do like it. a Viking. Done. Yeah. <laughs> just, just can't. I can't do it. But, uh, I, that was one of the games that I, I think I championed to you. And I was like, dude, you got to play this game. It's really good. There's something yeah. special about it. And, yeah, yeah. I, and you start playing it and you're just like, well, this is really basic and the, the graphics are really like bright and pastel and colorful and like it's all kind of goofy looking, but it's a really like creative, good game, you know? Yeah, it's really, really what cool. What did you think? I, thought, I, I loved it. I loved the first, I've only played the first one. I haven't played the second one. Um, I agree. It started off really simple and there's something about just playing a really simple game and maybe it's nostalgia. Maybe it's, you know, just the fact that we are bombarded with, with games and culture, you know, constantly. And so just kind of playing a simplistic game like that, it's just awesome. But it actually gets really, really creative and in depth the more you go on. And, and I love games that kind yeah. of, I love games that kind of escort you gradually into, to puzzles and into, um, some more heavy thinking parts. Um, and yeah. I, thought, I thought that game did that really well. Um, because you you get like you mentioned you know you get these different kind of elemental puzzles you have to do where that like you either have to drop lava on some ice and and it becomes water or drop lava on water and it becomes steam and it rises something up that you need to get up to a higher level and so I just thought it was really cool and and then it get, it gets pretty tricky you know they it stumped it stumped me for a while some of those puzzles yeah. and yeah uh, I thought it was I, the word elegant comes to mind in its in its kind definitely. of definitely. It, and it's kind of presentation of its gradual, you know, uh, puzzles. I thought it was great. Because the artwork was so, you know, like I said, it's really colorful, but the, the outlines are very sharp and yeah. like, the yeah. graphics are not bad at all. Like they're actually really good and like the, the artwork is really awesome. It's just, it's not, there's, the textures aren't detailed. They're just like flat colors, almost yeah. like, um, well, I don't know how to say it, but just like flat colors is not really textures in the right. game. It's it almost all done... looks like, like not like in a South Park way, but it almost looks like it could be construction paper. Yeah, like just yeah. kind of laid out, you know, very, you know, a simple color palette and and just really, really creative. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting uh, for the first, I don't know, maybe even five to ten levels, actually through the whole game, um, because it's kind of a. If you haven't played it, it's kind of hard to describe. If you, without you know seeing it, but uh, there, there's these massive arenas that you're kind of entered into, and it's kind of 2D, but you go up and down too. It's vertical. Um, it's a, like a vertical platformer, but like the the colors and the different levels, depending on where you were, were so striking that it would take me a second to actually find the spaceship. You know what I yeah. mean? Like you'd like you go to a new level, and then you would just be looking around at all the different colors and aspects of the new level. That it was like, okay, where's my dude? And it was like you actually had to uh, kind of look for him for a second. And I actually thought that was yeah. not necessarily a bad thing. Like it was just cool that the whole screen was just colorful and, and, and art artistic and that you actually wanted to look at the whole level before you even focused on what you were doing. And I thought that was cool. Yeah. I also love that, you know, they, like the things – the game deals a lot with liquid and fluids and stuff. And right. the motions and the, and the animations on the fluid was just – outstanding i mean top notch yeah but like the fluid you know like you'd have hot lava and it would be basically be like yellow in the middle and then orange around the edges and it was like two-tone color but like the way that it moved it actually looked like lava because yeah it 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 was like just two basic pastel colors 
but the the animation made it just look awesome. But yeah, the second game really builds a lot on it picks up immediately where the first one left off because I'm not going to give anything away, but the first one ends in a very interesting way. And, uh, the Gosh, second game picks up right it. where it left off. It. And, but they, um, they, it picks up right where it left, leaves off. And the, I feel like this one's a lot more difficult. It did not hold your hand at all. Just really, really? flung you right into it. Okay. Yeah. It got tough. Zeke, I don't know um, about you, but I, I get these, these just kind of, uh, hungers, I'll say these these kind of cravings, Ooh. these hungers Ooh. and cravings for a <laughs> a type of gaming experience. Where yeah, uh, so for me, I got my PlayStation Four for Christmas, and as soon as I knew there was this kind of really in depth RPG like Dragon Age, like I wanted, that's what I was craving. That's what I was feeling and ready for. But every now and then. And most of the time it's after I'll play a really in-depth game for, you know, 80 to 100 hours. I, I want to do some kind of like bite-sized gaming stuff. So yeah. what what are some games, like some downloadable games like Pixel Junk that have just captured your attention much like a big in-depth game would? I, I think uh, for me what, what jumps to mind is like uh, Trine. There was this game right, it was pretty soon after the PS3 came out maybe. Called, it was a yeah. downloadable platformer that was kind of fantasy based and just really funny, um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy type narration and Lost Vikings type character changes where different characters had to do different puzzles and, and Good for me. descriptions. Yeah, yeah. So, so when I, when I knew a Trine 2 was coming out, that game captured my attention. And it's like a five hour game. Like that game yeah. captured my attention so much that it's, that as soon as I knew there was a sequel, I bought it right away. So what kind of games that are kind of bite-sized and, you know, these these, these short experiences uh, have captured your attention that way? Oh, my gosh. Um, there's been a lot. Uh, yeah. Because I love, love, like, indie games and uh, little bite-sized games like that. Um, yeah. And, and I, I say bite-sized, say- but, I mean, a lot of these games are actually have some really in-depth qualities, too. So I say that. Just to contrast it from, you know, kind of a triple A big, you know, title, but. but yeah, a game that to... costs $60 and right, right, right. comes on a disc and is right. 20 gigabytes big, you know. Yeah, yeah. But what, what yeah, are some uh, recent games that have done that for you? Oh, recent? Well, no, or well, just how about that you've played in the past few couple of years? Well, I think that when I got a PlayStation 3, one of the first, um, games that I downloaded was this game called Flow. And. Oh, yeah. It was. It was really interesting. Um, I don't know how to explain it other than that you're like this microscopic organism swimming in water and yeah. you, and you eat stuff and get bigger and then you go swim down to a deeper level and then you eat more stuff and get bigger and swim down to a deeper level. And that is pretty much the premise of the game. But you control the game with like the six axis controller on the PlayStation 3 with the gyroscopes right. inside the controller and right. you just basically there are no buttons. You just tilt the controller and, and your little like microscopic organism eats stuff. And yeah. that, that was made by a company called That Game Company. And then I think one of the very first downloadable titles I got on, with, on PlayStation 3 was a game called Flower. Yeah. And that game blew me away. Man, like, I played just, that whole thing sitting down with you and I agree. That was an incredible experience. Yeah. Well, I, I, we played it in one sitting, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We did. I, I remember the first time I started that game, you know, Flower is such a hard game to explain. Um, Flower is a game where 
Um, <laughs> the premise, I'm laughing because the premise of the game is kind of ridiculous oh, just pretty, to yeah, say. It is. But when you see it. But Flower is a game that imagines, what if a flower had a dream? What would that dream look like? <laughs> Which yeah. sounds so stupid yeah. to say, but that's what it is. And so you start off as a flower sitting inside of a flower pot on a windowsill in this nasty, busy, bustling city. And then you go into, I guess, which they don't tell you. There's no words in the whole entire game. There's not a single text and bit of text in the whole entire game aside from the credits. Right. And you go into what's this flower's dream. And you're in this field with this green grass like growing everywhere. And what you do is you control the wind. And yeah. which sounds so like abstract. And it is. It's a really <laughs> abstract game. You control the wind, and the wind, you control where the wind blows, and you push this flower petal, and you go, go across these other flowers, and when they, you go across the flower with the wind, uh, the flower will burst open and bloom, and then a petal will fly off and join you until the wind that you're controlling has this gigantic tail. Yeah. And the whole thing is you're just flying through these levels, causing flowers to bloom. And yeah. it was, and, and, like, that sounds so simplistic, but the game really, like, goes to where places that you would not expect. And yeah. I remember I played through that first level, and <laughs> this was such a... I tell people about this experience, and it's hard to, like, people... It's hard for me to take it serious because it sounds so ridiculous. Yeah. But I got to the end of the very first level, and I was smiling. And yeah. I actually reached up and felt my face, like, why am I smiling right now? <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> I did. I was like, why am I smiling right now? But it was just, it was such an awesome experience yeah. that like by the end of that first level, I was like, that was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I kept playing and the game goes to places where you wouldn't expect and it gets really dark and yeah. has a redeeming ending and it's all a little preachy and hippie, but I love every <laughs> minute of it. <laughs> Dude, I, and I, I have to just say, in terms of sound design in that game, oh my gosh. it was one of the best, like, kind of integrated sound designs that I've ever experienced in a video game. Like, and so, that so, soundtrack, yeah, dude. So, so that, so every different. You correct me if I'm not remembering this right, but every different color flower had a different tone. Well, it had a different scale. like instrument or something yeah, yeah. that it would play. Yeah, so you would. If you would hit one pedal, it would just be like a, a beep or, or just like a note on a piano or even like a, a flute. I don't know what a flute toot. Is that what yeah, that a, 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 a flute toot. <laughs> <laughs> a flute toot. And so, so it, the coolest thing about it is that like it recognized whether you were going through one or like a group of ten flowers. So you would have this kind of note if you hit one flower or chord if you hit like three. And it was just well, it, like, it was like bring, it was like it was like six strings on a guitar if you hit six six flowers, right? It was like, well, I was gonna say it, it really would be cool. like there would be like a row of like little white flowers, and yeah. each flower would be a pluck on the guitar. And if you race down them in a line, then it would pluck them on the guitar. But what was crazy is that the tone that was played when you plucked the guitar was in the correct key and played a correct note in the song yeah. as it was being played. Like yeah. the sound design must have been. Incredible. Like, I don't know how they thought to do that, but, yeah. um, there were several other games that did that, um, uh, and that's just amazing to me. Um, there's another downloadable game, um, called, uh, Everyday Shooter. Okay. And okay. it, it's this little, it's a super simple design, like very, 
Like you're a little cube, or not even a cube, a square in the middle of the screen, and you can shoot out like little triangles, and you shoot like all these baddies that are just basically like, I don't want to say vector graphics, but they're very simplistic designs. But the whole entire game, the sound effects are all made, the guy who made the game is made by one guy, a guy named Jonathan Mack. And uh, he, every single sound in the whole entire game was made on his guitar. Wow. And it's it's made in the same way that like whenever you shoot something, uh, it makes a pluck, but that pluck is also in key or in tune with whatever the the song is doing at that time. That's and it's cool. just and it it's just awesome. Like <laughs> it blows me away that people thought to do that. You know? Yeah, yeah. I um, in terms of like downloadable games for me, I I remember just when I got my PlayStation Three, and that was I mean it wasn't the first online enabled gaming device but it was the first one that i had that just opened up this whole new world to 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 borrow something a from <laughs> a whole new world of like what gaming could be because like i in high school i would just i would play a game and i would just i would play it till i finished it and i, I still play games this way actually I'll, I'll get obsessive about one game finish it platinum it you know play it a couple times through whatever it takes and then once I'm done with it. I'll shelve it, and I'm like, okay, ready for something new. Um, and so when I like didn't have an online platform, uh, I would have to actually like really be thoughtful in how and when I could get a game because I'd have to like drive to the store or drive to GameStop, whatever it was. But then when I or was, to my house or to Zeke's house to borrow something, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but with the PlayStation Network. There was like again a whole new world of gaming just like right there. If you were craving this Metroidvania style thing like Guacamele or whatever it was, oh yeah, you didn't have to go out to the store. You could just do it right then and there. And and so when those different hungers hit me, I would just go and, and download it. And I think that's just so cool to 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 be in a world where we can just do that. Uh, Absolutely crazy. What else? What other games have kind of captured you that way? These little short experiences, experiences that have been good. I mean, I played. We played uh, Braid together, didn't we? Braid. Oh yeah, Braid was great. Very good. So very good. Explain Braid. <clears throat> what, is, what is Braid? Braid's kind of it's kind of like a Mario with a really dark and serious twist. <laughs> that's yeah. That's kind of a uh, like like I don't know how to explain it. Uh, <clears throat> a fantasy kind of king. Like <laughs> it just has this like like a harpsichord playing in the background so it sets this tone of like being um like a fantasy kind of thing and it's telling this very bizarre story while you're playing it but the game is sorry for keep clearing my throat yeah the game is very uh it's like mario yes but (laughs) i just did i just did a walk-in it's like mario yes (laughs) (laughs) well you know games are things that you play and sometimes they remind you of your first video game that you played yes but that man, that's pretty good the man is the king of the run-on sentence <laughs> so but good. the game also introduced a lot of well it's another one of those games where each level kind of like pixel junk shooter where each level presents you with a new tool if you will or a new game mechanic that helps you to progress that level and there was um i I remember there were some puzzles where like you could move forward in time and then if you messed up you could rewind time but there were certain objects in the environment that kept on 
going forward in time, no matter what. Um, it was a game that messed around a lot with time, and I and I liked that a lot. Yeah. Um, I was thinking of another one that I really liked a lot was the game called The Unfinished Swan. Oh, yeah. Um, which was a really crazy experience. Um, I don't know if anybody has seen this, but it's a game that... Uh, it's like a storybook, pretty much, um, in the way that the, the story and the the presentation of the game. But you start off in this this game as this little kid who's, um, and I'm not spoiling anything because this is the very beginning of the game, but your mom uh, is an artist, but she never really finished any of her paintings. Mm. And she died and left you as an orphan in an orphanage. And But the orphanage only let you keep one painting, so you kept your mom's favorite painting, which was this unfinished swan painting. Mm. And... At the beginning of the game, this swan, uh, you wake up one night in the orphanage and this swan has disappeared out of the painting and you see a little door that you've never seen before. So you go inside of it and it's amazing. The presentation, the opening movie and stuff is literally 30 seconds long and then you drop right in and you're like, and everyone who starts playing said, like, Oh, I'm playing now. Yeah. But it's a completely, <laughs> it's a completely white screen and it's, uh, the whole entire environment exists, but you can't see it because it's all white. And so you have these little blobs of, like little balls of black ink that you can throw. Yeah. And the game is presented in first person. And so you're throwing these blobs of ink, and as the ink splatters onto things, you can see them now. You know, they exist, but you can't see them until you splatter ink on them. And, and it's so, it has such an awesome, like, uh, aesthetic when that, you're walking around just splattering paint on things, and you see, oh, that's a barrel right there. And I couldn't see it before, but now, like, the paint is splattered, and I can make it out. And you can run around, and, and the game gets a lot more complex than that. That's not the whole entire game, but that game just was another fantastic experience. I was going to ask you, do you do you know of a game that, speaking of level design, we were talking yeah. about level design earlier, do you know of a game that, when you played it, you just thought that, Maybe it wasn't the best game in the world, but you just thought that the levels were just so creatively made that it was just an experience in and of itself just to play and just to exist in those levels. Oh, man. That's a good question. I, uh, you know, I, I automatically, for some reason, thought of The Warriors. Um, oh, yeah. Which is this game made by Rebellion. It was a PS2 game based. It was, this is, this is a weird game to, to describe, too. It's a PS2. <laughs> Kind of old school brawler, but 3D, based on a 70s cult classic movie about gangs in New York in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> and the the end of the game is the movie, but they just kind of supposed, I don't know, what, 10 hours of, maybe not even that much, uh, of just oh, probably, probably. backstory. I mean, there, most yeah. of that game is backstory. And I just remember being in awe of, and maybe not even the level design, but just the backstories that they made for each one of the rival gangs and and the different... I mean, the levels were cool, like the different... I mean, there, there's only so many alleyways you can put into a game that are interesting. But somehow true, they did true. that. Like, they did that... Like, the Coney Island level was interesting. I remember um, the the Boppers level was really interesting, where they had that nightclub. And, yeah. And then uh, the level where you uh, go around... I mean, I think you went... You went to an amusement park and yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think you're in you're in the park at one point, right? Right when the, the movie it's like a rundown amusement park. Yeah, yeah, and they and they start up the roller coaster, and that becomes like an obstacle where you could yeah. throw guys into the roller coaster and get hit by yeah. it and stuff. Yeah, 
I, rem- I, just, I just remember that was really cool. Do you have one? I'll try to think of another one. Do you have one that you, you remember? That I remember one? I remember that one also. You know, I was blown away by the end of the game because you start playing it and you're like, oh, cool, this is, you know, I think I saw the movie first with you. And then when we played the oh, game really? and okay. I thought, I thought, well, this is really cool. Um, You know, like it's kind of, it feels just like the movie. The characters act just like the movie. It, it's yeah. it's like an extension of the movie. It's awesome. But yeah. then when you get to a certain point, and they start like the the opening sequence from the movie, and you think, "Wow, that's really cool." And then you realize that they have perfectly recreated the movie. Yeah. Like, it's not it's not so much that the level design was awesome, but that it was that attention to detail where right. we were like, we were playing that game, and we were just blown away with how perfectly recreated it was yeah. in terrible PS2 graphics. You I know. know? <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. The, and- the, there were parts in the in the movie where they're being chased by uh, a bus full of like gang members who are throwing bottles and stuff at them, and that's in the game, perfectly yeah. recreated. It yeah. was it was awesome. Yeah, they did yeah. really good. So even though like most of the game um, didn't focus on the movie itself, the parts at the end of it, it was like it was. I, I feel like that game was a love letter to people that liked the movie because it was like yeah. we're gonna give you we're gonna flesh out a lot of backstory for this and it's a really short kind of not really detailed movie it's just them running around new york city because they get blamed for this this gang member's death um, well it's it's a it's it was like a a retelling of xenophon's march oh that's which, right that's right that's uh, right which is a greek uh i i think it was actually a historical event i'm not sure I'm i think not you're right i think you're right up to i think it was an actual historical event where this guy i think he was a greek general um, and he got uh, pretty much abandoned behind enemy lines, and it was him, and I think it was like five hundred or a thousand men or something like that. And they literally had to like fight their way. I think it was something like five hundred miles to the coast in order to get away from everything, yeah. and they did it. Yeah. And so the Warriors was pretty much a retelling of that, where the Warriors uh, is this gang, small gang of I think there's like eight of them or something like yeah. that, and they get stranded somewhere in uptown New York and they live on Coney Island and yeah. it's just them having to fight their way all the way back to their, their home, you know, yeah. <laughs> back to their turf, their turf. Yeah. So that was, I mean, it was just, I thought it was cool because the whole game is building up to the parts that are in the movie. And if you had seen the movie, you just kind of keep waiting for these awesome and classic scenes to pop up. And I thought that that would, that'd be really cool if you had seen the movie, uh, you know, years and years and years ago. Um, yeah. So it's cool. The mini games in that game were cool too. Like every little crime, I mean it's not a super wholesome game, but every little <laughs> every little definitely not. Yeah, every little crime you could commit like had a different like uh button prompt you had to do like when you're uns- you're jacking a, a car radio and you had to Yeah, you could steal car radios. Yeah. <laughs> you could screw the uh you had to take the you know the tape deck out or whatever and you'd actually roll rotate the analog sticks in order to to stimulate the the unscrewing of the screws and stuff so like it was just really creative and and pretty cool yeah um, how about i know the games games for me that i've always been blown away by the level design is yeah. the zelda games oh yeah um, yeah just the way that they craft those dungeons is amazing you know the those games have been outstanding since day 1 and you know i i, I was recently playing through the phantom hourglass again on oh, the nice. ds and it's the way game. that they they integrated the controls with the stylus, and I was yeah. just was playing some of the puzzles, and was just the whole entire game you control with one pencil press, you know, like yeah. the the stylus, and you don't ever really need to touch any other buttons. You can play the whole game like that with just the the stylus. And how they took that game made it feel like a Zelda game, and you could just control with one button essentially yeah. was 
outstanding to me, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the, some of the puzzles were just, uh, crazy. There's this, I remember there's, I'll, I'll say this one and it's because I got stuck on it, but when I figured it out, I was not frustrated, I was not frustrated at all. I was oh, really okay. just more like, wow, that was really, clever the way they did that you're like you're like ron burgundy you're like i'm not even mad that's amazing i'm not even mad (laughs) (laughs) exactly but there's this part where there's uh these eyes that uh that are like i guess little like buttons on the wall and you have to shoot an arrow into the eye but every time you face that every time you face the eye the eye would close yeah and you just got this like ability to throw this rope from like um post to post and they have these posts sitting up and the way that you had to solve this puzzle is you had to put a rope in between these two posts and then bounce an arrow off the rope into the eye while you were facing the opposite direction. I remember and, that well, yeah. And I remember just whenever I did that, it, it had that a Ron Burgundy moment where I was like, I that was incredible. I'm not even <laughs> I'm not even mad that I wasted 30 minutes trying to figure yeah. this out. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think Nintendo is a really interesting company because they every now and then they just have these, you know. Uh, to, to quote the producers, you know, stroke of genius, where, uh, <laughs> uh, and they, and they're, they're so into creating their own tech that they could just be creative on. Um, and they did it with the Wii, and it hasn't been as successful with the Wii U, but like when they do it well, it's awesome. And I remember yeah. the fact that the DS had a little microphone that, you know, how often are you going to use that thing in a, in a normal game experience? But them being who they are and being so creative, you know, you had to go up, I think, at one point and yell at this character that was across a little valley or something. Yeah, and he was, was across like, on a di- another island, and you had yeah. to get his attention. Yeah, and so it's like, how? It said, speak into the microphone to get this, or like, yell or something like that. And I was like, wait, what? What? And so, like, you just, <laughs> you you sit there, and uh, you just say, hey. And then the character turns around. And I'm, I think I almost dropped a DS. I was just like, what? That's awesome. That is so cool. <laughs> And is that the yeah. same game where you could like blow out candles with that microphone too? Or you, yep. you blew, yeah, oh man. So cool. So, so cool. <laughs> creative. Definitely. That's good stuff. For some reason, uh, the, the Medal of Honor games are coming to mind. Like those original two on PlayStation 1. Oh yeah. Uh, I just loved those levels. I think they did a good job of keeping them really diverse and interesting. And, and that was some of the first, like, first person shooter experience I had. As a gamer, yeah. like I just remember being like, "What? I, this is like, this is just so interesting." Like, and, and those games, factories and stuff, it was cool. Those games graphically look fantastic for the tech that they were using. Yeah, um, it's it's amazing how fluid they are, and there's yeah. no like, there's no like pop in or anything, and like people don't disappear. There's very little glitches and stuff, and yeah. I remember my my first thought when seeing that. I think I saw it over at your house, and yeah, uh, you were playing it, and you know, you would you could like wing. Uh, the Nazis or something, and they'd be laying on the ground, and they'd start crawling away, and yes. then they'd roll over like, yes. like for their last breath, and pull out a pistol and start shooting you. Yeah, and <laughs> they would go, they would totally go into Last Stand. They would go to yeah. the Call of Duty Last Stand, which they probably that's probably where they got that from as first person shooter fans. Like it was awesome. Prob- and then you could shoot them in the foot, and they would totally do a Ninja Turtles jump up in time thing where they yeah. there we go my toe oh, my, my toe yes. <laughs> I'm so glad you got that reference. But they would like jump up and down and then they would just like, okay, start shooting at you. And I remember there's this, in Underground, the second PlayStation Medal of Honor game was just so crazy because, uh, it just got, it, it, it dove into the whole like Nazi occult thing and it was like just a whole nother level of history that I didn't even realize. And I'm a huge history buff. I loved 
World War II and still do for a really long time. I would just devour anything World War II themed. I remember seeing the movie Saving Private Ryan and just being kind of in love with that whole era and, and just what a crazy thing it was that the entire world got on board with, with this this crazy war. Um, and so um, I was that was another thing. It just opened up my eyes to a whole other layer of that war and then there was one level where you go to this castle, almost like Wolfenstein kind of castle. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the suits of armor started attacking you. And it was that was one of those like just blown away gaming moments where it scared yeah. me to death and did not see coming. <laughs> and just one of those surprises that, you know, first time ever. And and that's the kind of thing that as someone who's played video games for a number of years, you you are always going to look for that kind of stuff in games now. But that was yeah. one of the first times that ever happened, right? Where it was so scary. And then moving on and getting a PS2, I remember being just as blown away by Frontline. And oh my gosh, dude! And the levels and the the fact I remember there's this this in Holland, you go around with this British sergeant or officer for a number of, of levels, and the fact that he would just like turn and talk to you. Um, yeah. And then, like, the, oh, just the opening of that game, man. That, yeah. the opening is yeah. still fantastic where, yeah. you know, you're in the, uh, the little, uh, what do they call the LS? I can't remember the name of them. The little yeah. landing crafts with the gate that would crash down the front. And, you know, there's, there's guys in there and one guy's singing and another guy's throwing up. And yeah. there's guy, there's a guy who's jumping up and down because he's nervous. And it just yeah. was fan. And then that boat, like you come out on the beach and there's just machine gun fire yeah. everywhere. And it's just absolute. Yeah. And, and this is all on a PlayStation 2. And it was just absolute pandemonium. And yeah. like I, I loved every. Like, the way that they did that level was just awesome. It was so good. <laughs> and it's very much like um, uh, Saving Private Ryan. That I mean, that's a huge film and supposedly one of the most realistic war films ever created. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, made by... I have Dr- yet to see that. Are you serious? I need to see it. That's a great it's, film, man. And, I saw We Were Soldiers. Now I need to see that one. Yeah, so made by DreamWorks. And, you know, they totally... I think took that cinematic experience and were like, well, what if we let people play it? Cause that, that scene, that opening scene in the movie and in that game are almost identical. I mean, to the, Oh, well, um, down to you know, the, the, the guys throwing up in the, the landing crafts and everything. Yeah. Well, you know, the very first, uh, Medal of Honor game on PlayStation one, Steven Spielberg had a direct influence over that yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he was there as a producer and you I know, had a, a big part in making that game. And which is crazy because that game was so, what's the word I'm looking for? Seminal in the fact that yeah. it, it was, you know, that game was, uh, made and it really boosted the console first person shooter genre. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, they made that game and those games went on to be very successful, mm-hmm. at least up until, you know, Rising Sun. Yeah. And then, uh, Infinity Ward actually made, um, the computer version. Uh, what they were, they were actually a bunch of the guys from Infinity Ward oh, were working interesting, for interesting. EA at the time and they decided to split off and make their own game that they could, they thought they could do a better job and they made the very first Call of Duty. Wow. And, as Infinity Ward. So Infinity Ward actually came from Medal of Honor. And look where Call of Duty has come, you know? Like, yeah, it's, that's crazy, man. I didn't know that. I, I remembered, I mean, I think call, the first Call of Duty game was the, one of the first games, um, I, I'm sorry, one of the last games I got on PS2. I remember playing it and, and it was kind of like Medal of Honor, but just, you know, 
expanded on and just made better and more features and stuff. And so that's really, really fascinating. That's cool. You played the one called The Finest Hour, right? Yep. That game was actually made, it's not, uh, the, the original Call of Duty is, was only on computer and they actually oh, later right. ported it to Xbox 360 and PS3. Uh, but the version that you played was called Finest Hour and that was made by a, co- a company called Gray Matter, I think. Oh, okay. Which later, which later turned into Treyarch. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so Treyarch made the first, you know, PS, the first console port of the game, and then later on, they ended up, when they started to go to the every other year cycle, yeah. they made uh, Call of Duty 3, and then after that, they made World at War, which, you know, in my opinion, is one of the best Call of Duties ever. Yeah. That campaign was fantastic. That was really good. Uh, you know, and then they went on to make Black Ops and Black Ops 2, and those games were smash hits. So, yeah, it's crazy that the, all of those... Those franchises and, you know, the biggest franchises in the first-person shooter industry right now are, you know, came from that very first Medal of Honor game on PlayStation 1. Yeah, dude. That's funny. <laughs> Which I'll is t- crazy. Yeah. I'll tell one uh, Medal of Honor story, and then we can we can wrap it up uh, here. This has been a good episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. You can um, uh, contact us by emailing com. You can check us out on Instagram. Uh, search for Save Your Game. And uh, we we hope you enjoy the show. We love doing it, and and thank you again for listening. But another last funny story about Medal of Honor, man. Uh, I used to take my PlayStation when I first got it over to my grandparents' house, and uh, my granddad uh, has <laughs> has has passed away now. But but when he was living, and I was doing this, uh, he would come and watch me play that game. <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, it was so funny cause he, so he was in the occupational force that went over to Germany after, yeah. uh, World War II. Uh, and so he, sp- he would, he, he was one of those guys that would go around and every now and then just spot off some German cause he learned it when he was over there. And it was so funny, but he used to sit <laughs> down in there. So I was homeschooled. And so when my parents were working, my sister and I would take our schoolwork over to my grandparents, uh, do it and then, you know, go home. But after we finished our schoolwork, I would, you know, throw my PlayStation and, and play this game, and he would, uh, he, he got really into watching me play this, and, and, I, and I would bring it over, and he's like, hey, did you bring that kraut-killing game over? I said, I said, yeah, you want to watch me play it? It's like, yeah, play it, let's play it. And so, uh, that was just a, that's just a great memory, and, uh, and, you know, again, probably speaks to how cinematic and, and how quality they were if, uh, you know, uh, seven-year-old guy who's never been into video games was interested in watching it yeah uh, definitely it cool yeah well zeke any last words for the folks you can go zeke's wrap up or whatever no well uh nope don't have anything else to say other than thank you guys so much for listening uh we hope that you uh enjoy it if you guys have any um critical uh advice for us critical um uh uh you know comments um things that you think that we could do better things that you think uh we should do or shouldn't be doing um let us know uh like like nathan said our our uh, email is saveyourgamepodcast at gmail.com and uh we'd love to hear from you we sure and would. uh we hope you you join us next time see ya see ya
regret Mark out of satisfaction So I turned my eyes up to the sky Cried out for my redemption Yeah, I turned my eyes to Christ And he gave me salvation Amazing grace, how sweet that sound Love was lost, but now I'm found It was grace that set me free 